I will be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I suppose one may rightfully question the wisdom of putting a song called Steal Away right before a sermon called Tithing. (laughs) I suppose that's one of those things that makes uh, the topic of giving to the church such a difficult thing. Is that, you know, can we, a lot of people out there basically take advantage of people on religious grounds and take their money. In fact, it's one of the things that Jesus kind of railed against. And uh, many scholars think that the the story of the widow's might that uh, uh, Jane alluded to earlier was really a a statement against the temple tax that took this woman's last two coins uh, that she was required to give to the temple tax in order to be in good standing. And so there is this tension between uh, it would be easy, and it has been easy for many, to take advantage of people uh, by stirring up a lot of religious fervor around the issue of giving to the church. And yet, it's such an important thing. And this is so important. It's an important thing to be talking about our money. It's an important thing to talk about. Uh, how the ministries of this church are sustained by the resources of its constituency, of its members here. Uh, the resources not only of, of your money, but the resources of your time and your talent and your prayers and your energy and your passion for the kingdom of God. Amen? All of that comes together to be First Baptist Church making a difference in the lives of the people who are here, and in the lives of many who have never set foot in this congregation. And what an incredible, blessed ministry that is. But today, so we've been talking about this for three weeks. And um, to be honest, today is about, I'm about done. (laughs) I've about run out of everything I have to say about giving to the church. And I I told you I was going to do it for four weeks uh, and I want to remind you that this was one of the one of the the feedback I got from my evaluation is that I don't talk about money enough. So <laughs> that's it's kind of your own fault, really. But uh, so this is my this is my third week talking about this, and and I'm going to talk about some important. I'm going to talk specifically about the issue of tithing and and what that is and. And, and what the Bible has to say about it and how it translates to what we do here at First Baptist Church. But you know what? I've run out of things to say. So next week, I will not be talking about money. So you're going to want to be here for that. <laughs> but you're going to want to be here for this as well. So tithing, we throw this term around a lot. And, uh, uh, you know, and particularly around here, it, it, has, a, it has a significance it has a very uh, a very significant meaning and is seen in either positive or negative ways depending on who it is you're talking to so i you know i thought i'd kind of get real about this and talk about what 
what that business is all about. And you know, in the Bible, there's a lot of different kinds of offerings and a lot of different kinds of giving. Uh, and tithing is talked about in, in kind of three very specific ways. And the first thing I would say about the term tithing is that it literally means a tenth. So it literally means 10%. All right? And so whenever the Bible talks about tithing, it is talking about uh, the giving of 10%. In the case of the Old Testament, it's 10% of your, tr- of your crops, 10% of your your uh, cattle or whatever stock you happen to be, goats or whatever you're working with, and uh, 10%, 10% of all the good stuff you get. So uh, it's literally talking kind of in that term, literally uh, 10%. And there are a lot of other kinds of giving that are, that are put forward in the Bible uh, that, that aren't necessarily called tithing. There's offerings made to to God for various things. There's Yom Kippur, which is a day of atonement when offerings are made to God. And, and, uh, and while those offerings are made for a very specific reason, they do go to kind of sustaining the, the practices at the temple. Like the priests eat <laughs> the offering that are uh, brought uh, to Yom Kippur. But let's, let's look first to Leviticus 27.30. This is kind of one of those places, one of the ways in which tithing is talked about. It says, All tithes from the land, whether the seed from the ground or the fruit from the tree, are the Lord's. They are holy to the Lord. And so Leviticus, uh, the, Moses put forward in Le- the Mosaic Law here in Leviticus, uh, that a tenth of everything you get kind of is is the Lord's. doesn't say you give it to the Lord and then it becomes the Lord's. It already is in this place. It is holy and, and belongs to God. And so you're encouraged to dedicate a portion of that. And there's kind of three places where the Bible talks about giving a tenth. Uh, the first one is to support the priest's in the temple, in order, in order to sustain the ministry of the house of God, right? Uh, when a you know when a society uh, gets civilized and they start building cities and they start doing these things, when you've come to a place where you're producing enough food uh, to have extra, then you can't afford to have people who are dedicated religious leaders, and that's kind of what. Is happening here. the the uh, the the people of God, the Jews, uh, the Hebrew people, have set aside a certain tribe, Levi, the tribe of Levi, to be priests, and they will be sustained by the offerings of the rest of the congregation, the rest of the tribes of Israel, and. They are to offer up a tenth of what they get, and that tenth goes to sustaining the, the priests and the Levites and the work that they do in the temple. And so this comes from Numbers. To the Levites I have given every tithe in Israel for a possession in return for the service that they perform, the service in the tent of meeting. Of course, in the Leviticus time, they, it wasn't a temple. It was a tabernacle in the wilderness that they packed up and moved around. The other one is a, uh, the other mention of, t- of a tithe is in Deuteronomy 14. 
And it says this, In the presence of the Lord your God, in the place that He will choose as a dwelling for His name, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, your wine and your oil, as well as the firstlings of your herd and flock, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. In other words, Jesus is saying, put aside 10% on this day and celebrate together so that you will know you will know to, that God is there always. You will know to hold God in high esteem, uh, to fear God, to hold God in, awe, God in awe. In other words, have a party with 10%, right? Deuteronomy. How come we never hear this part, right? No one ever quotes this. Take 10% of what you got and have a big party. It's nice to know that God appreciates, uh, you know, cut loose once in a while and having a good time. So, uh, you know, but this 10%, they're talking about giving 10% at a designated time to have a feast of celebration. And that's important. I think, I think that was interesting when I was looking into this. The other one is, a, is an offering that's taken every three years to support the widows and the poor. It says this in Deuteronomy 28 through 29. Every third year you shall bring out the full tithe of your produce for that year and store it within your towns. Uh, the Levites, because they have no allotment or inheritance with you, as well as the resident aliens, the orphans, and the widows in your towns may come and eat their fill so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work that you undertake. Every third year... A tenth is taken and set aside for, again, the priests, uh, for the Levites, for the orphans, for the widows, and for the aliens in your midst, the foreigners who have come into your presence. There's another one we've kind of overlooked sometimes, huh? Is that we're, we're called upon to make provision for the poor, for the widows, for the orphans, and for the strangers, the aliens, the, the travelers in our midst, and the priests. <laughs> Always got to remember them. And so in this sense, you can recognize, so this is a, a, a tradition that's handed down through the Mosaic Law. And it must be clear at this point that tithing is not giving to charity. It's a part of one's worship to God. And in the Old Testament, it was not treated lightly. Malachi put it in perspective in Malachi 3, 8 through 10. It says this, Will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are, you, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you. But then he goes on to say this, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. So Malachi is, first of all, he's chastising people because they're, they're kind of reluctant in their support of the of the the house of God, the tabernacle or the temple. But then he says, but if you have if you faithfully do this, if you try me out on this, but if you are faithful in your giving, if you give not not all bunched up like this, but if you give joyfully and and, and with faithfulness and a desire to support what God is asking you to do, if you give out of your 
your faith in God and your allegiance and alliance with God, see what God will bless you with. And this is the part that I always get uncomfortable with. Because uh, to me, it kind of can sound like this is a, this is a get-rich-quick kind of scheme, right? Oh, if I give uh, about this, then I'll get something in return. But I don't think that's really how it's intended to, to come off, or at least that's not how it works. Whether, it, whether Malachi meant it that way or not, I can tell you right now, that's not how it works. But there are blessings to be had when we can ground our faith not in our scarcity, but in the abundance of God. Amen? There are blessings to be had. And God says, try me out in this. Give not out of anxiety or out of compulsion or out of uh, guilt. Give not out of, of fear, but give out of the joy of what it is to be a child of God. Give because you recognize the importance of the ministry that is being done in the house of God. And give in those circumstances and you will see what I mean by the blessings that pour out of that act. And it has really to do with grounding oneself and centering oneself on worshiping God versus what we versus worshiping our fear and our anxiety, which we often tend to do by putting it in a place of power and having power over it. If you really want to get rid of the power, anxiety, and fear and worry has over you, give away some of your money. <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden you've confronted that. So, so uh, slipping to the New Testament, Jesus in Luke makes a similar promise to what's going on here. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. And even in our text today, Paul says the same thing. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. But what is, what is being said here is that there are blessings to be had through the faithful offering of a portion of that which God has already blessed you with. And, and what is, so how do we understand this without treating it like a, a get-rich-quick scheme? I would say that the, the, the point is that we approach giving with a generous attitude, that there are blessings that come from it that have nothing to do with the tax breaks or even the ministry that we do here, but to be able to give deliberately, consistently, and generously is a discipline that strengthens our faith and reflects our faith in God. Our ability to give is a discipline that reflects our faith and deepens our faith. Amen? It's a reminder that God is first over our money. Which oftentimes, if someone were to look at my life at various points along the way, if someone were to be standing there taking down notes, it would be hard to make that case that I was putting God over my money. If, and maybe that's true in your life as well, many points along the way. But when we give faithfully, deliberately, and consistently, uh, it, it demonstrates that God has a higher place in our world than our money does. Uh, it shows our gratitude to God for the blessings that we've already received. It's a response 
to that which God has blessed us with already. And it puts our hearts and minds in the right place. As I've, I've quoted this verse every week, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Put your, if your heart is in the things of God, you ought to put your treasure in the things of God also. And it really is a part of what it means to be a mature follower of Christ. When my pastor was, uh, when I was, my pastor when I was interning, his name was Clark Flesher in Alameda. Clark always used to use this illustration every year, and I kind of made fun of him about it because he used it every year uh, when he was talking about stewardship, and it, we called it the French fry illustration. <laughs> Uh, but it, it rings true, so I tend to use it too. So he would laugh at me. He's, he's no longer with us, but he would laugh because I made fun of him about this, this illustration. But it makes a lot of sense. He talks about a, a father and a son going to McDonald's. And when they get there, uh, the dad buys the, the kid a large fry. Maybe he gets a Coke or whatever. And uh, the kid's sitting there eating the fries. And the dad says, can I have one of your fries? And the kid says, No! <laughs> Get your own. <laughs> These are mine. These are my fries. And the dad says, oh, come on. Give me a, give me a fry. <laughs> and, the, and the kid reluctantly hands, hands over a fry. But, you know, when I think about this, the fries really belong to the dad anyway, right? The dad went and bought the fries, right? The dad went to work. The kid's not doing anything. The kid's sucking up money, right? And the, the dad's out there working, he earned the money. Uh, he bought the fries. He hands them over to the kid. He's got a lot of nerve saying, these are my fries. <laughs> a lot of nerve on this kid. So, he, I mean, he, they really belong to him anyway. He bought them. He paid for them. He worked for them. Uh, and uh, the other thing is, the dad didn't really need to ask the kid for some fries. You know, he could have gone up there with his debit card and said, hey, give me, give me, Give me two fries. Give me two large fries. Fries for everybody except my stingy son, right? He could have bought fries for everybody. He could say, I give him fries for everybody. I don't need, I don't need your fries, son. I'll give them to everybody, right? He could have done, he could have done something. He didn't really need the kids' fries, but, uh, what the dad really wanted was for the son to learn how to share. A little bit. And for the son to give from what he had been given already. To, to be generous. To, to want to share what he is and not be so stingy about it. And not feel like he has to hold on to those fries. The dad really wanted the son to give him some of his fries. Because generosity is an important character trait. And he wants his son to be a person of good character. He wants his son to be uh, someone who... who who shares what he has. He wants his son to be someone who has a discipline of recognizing, uh, a discipline of gratitude in recognizing that everything he has received, that he didn't grow up in a vacuum, that he received from others and he ought to be willing to give to others. Unlike the dad in this story, God desires for us to be generous and disciplined in our giving. Paul emphasizes it to the church in Corinth with this, Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. And here are what I think are the important 
Here, here's what I think needs to really, we need to focus in. Uh, they're important in my mind in our modern setting. Right? The work that we do together here at First Baptist Church only happens because you give your support to it. The only way it happens. And for 135 years, this organization has has existed and thrived and made a difference in its community for no other reason than the people sitting here in these pews are willing to give of their time, of their talent, and their treasure. And many continue to give even after they have passed on through remembering the church in their estates. And I'm going to talk about that somewhere along the line. Not today, but just put a pin in that because I'll be getting back to that at some point. But uh, the legacy, their legacy goes on here because they have remembered uh, the church. The only way we exist is through the support. If we have less money, then we need more of your time. <laughs> right? If we have more money, maybe we need less of your time. But regardless, it only functions if we have all of these elements. People bringing their gifts and their talents, their time and their treasure together to be the church. First Baptist Church of Salt Lake City making a difference. If our ministry is important, it needs your support. If you think what we're doing is worthwhile... This ministry needs your support. Or it, it will go away. It will go away. The need for people to support the work of the priests and the ministry of the house of worship goes back to our earliest days in Judaism. So, and so beyond the practical side of giving, it is, and it's an important discipline for you and for me that strengthens our faith. And draws us closer to God. Regardless of what happens here at First Baptist Church. And though I, here again, like I said last week, we are completely transparent about where every dime goes. You can see where every dime goes. You know my salary. You know all of that. All of that. We are accountable to you. And regardless of what we're doing, albeit such important things, regardless of that, uh, aside from the very practical sides of that, this is an important discipline for our faith. It is important for our relationship with God that we are able to, like the little boy, throw in a fry or two uh, to those who are asking for it. As a discipline, we ought to be deliberate, consistent, and generous. And so on a, uh, you, next week, you're, you're going to receive in the mail this week, and next week we'll have them here. You're going to get a pledge card. And let me talk about pledging right now. It, it, your pledge will help in this discipline. It'll help you. It helps us, but it'll help you. If you have not pledged before, I encourage you to give it a try. Give it a go this year. Uh, why is this important? On a practical level, Pledging your support of the church helps us plan out what we're going to do. Without your pledge, we're guessing. Uh, and we guess low. <laughs> so we cut back on what we're able to do because we don't know whether the support is going to be there. And so we, we waffle on whether we can afford staff. We waffle on a lot of things until, we're, until we know that we have support from you for that. So <clears throat> it helps us plan out, it helps us put together an honest budget, a real budget that helps us, guides our spending. 
on a spiritual level, it is, a de- it is deliberate and it helps you be consistent. Prayerfully considering your pledge, putting it down on paper, and, and keeping up with it, is, it helps you become disciplined. We need, a, we need a prayer thing like this. If you're like me, praying is a difficult discipline. So I have to do something. I have to like carve out time. I have to do a deliberate thing. I light a candle and I turn around away from my desk and I kind of focus on that candle. And it's, it's tough. Like five minutes, it's tough. Try it. I, I challenge you to try it. Giving to the church, it's a similar thing. You've got to come up with some way of doing it deliberately. I mean, I know... I know a lot of us, we kind of, we figure out what's in our pocket or we kind of do it as we, as we think of it or we, maybe we don't even think about it. And we go, oh, well, let me do this or that. That lacks the deliberance I think God is looking for when it becomes a spiritual discipline. It's something we do deliberately and consistently. So I encourage you, making a pledge will help you be deliberate about your giving. Pray through it and pick a number. That's another thing. How much should I give is a big question. Well, we just talked about tithing. And what I'll tell you is that the average giving in this church, and in fact across most ABC and mainline churches, the the average giving uh, by our best guess is about, I'm told, is about 2.5% at best. So we got a long way to go. It's kind of silly of me to talk about tithing because we got a long way to go till we get there. But I would say, you know, tithing ought to be a goal for all of us. Amen? It ought to be a goal we get. But if you're, you know, but I encourage you to look at what your income is and, and think about what, how much you have been giving. Or think about what you want to give and pick out a number. Pick a percentage. Pick a number and write that down. But be deliberate. Pick a number. Don't just go by whatever's in your pocket or, or whatever you think you can spare week to week. Make it a prayerful, deliberate, spiritual discipline by looking at what you have and saying, God, I, I'm counting on you. I, I want to give, I'm planning to give this much this year. And work that out. And, and pray, and that's between you and God. I'm not going to see those things. Uh, the pledging part is for your accounting and, and, our, and our planning. But uh, I'm not going to see any of that. But I promise you it'll, it'll feel more genuine and it'll feel more deliberate if you do this. And be realistic, but be accurate. I can tell you right now, all of you have been lowballing, right? The, the, this is, here's how I know you've been lowballing is because uh, the folks who have pledged their support, I'm told by the finance committee that they have met their pledge and gone beyond it. So all of you who have pledged, you've been giving a lot more because you're because this ministry is important. So it tells me that when you made your pledge, you were lowballing. You were, <laughs> you know, you were you were a little concerned, right? You were a little anxious about how much you could really do. Uh, I challenge you to look at what you actually did and kind of think about that and prayerfully consider that and, and give us an accurate, a, a realistic but accurate thing so that we can do our, our planning as well. And remember, this is the only way we keep this church going. If what we do is important, then the only way it will keep going is if you support it. 
However, perhaps even more important is that this is a crucial component of your faith life. Like the father who wants his son to learn the joy of sharing what he has, so too God desires for each of us to have a right and a righteous relationship with our resources, our time, our talent, and our treasure. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you. We thank you that we are in a situation where we can talk about how we give and our resources. We, we thank you that we have this wonderful ministry to support with our time, our talent, and our treasure. We thank you that you have blessed us with so much, with the connection we have with each other here, with the blessing of time and space to reflect on who you are, with the blessing of friends and family and love and support and compassion that comes from this place out into the world, the blessing of abundance that we might be agents of change outside the walls of this church, that we have blessing in overflowing amounts, that we can share those blessings with others. Thank you for that. And we pray, God, for an attitude of gratitude as we consider this week how we might uh, support you and the work that you do here at First Baptist Church. We ask all of this in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.